everyone, and welcome to Minute 123 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1980 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Jeanette Ward of the Mundane Adventures of a Fangirl. Welcome back to the show, Jeanette. Hello! What a joy, what a treat, what an absolute delight. So excited to be here. Happy trails! <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you tell me that once they, that this is your mother's favorite scene of the I movie? I did, in fact, yes. And and that, let me, in fact, um, the text that I received when I said, did you want to come on this podcast? She <laughs> she just sent back some thoughts on the scene. So, uh, yes, she is, she is an Alan Rickman fan. Alan Rickman, her favorite actor. Um, so this is, uh, this is her favorite. That's all she wants to say? Come on. Well, I have other thoughts, but we haven't gotten to that scene. No, yet. I said that's all she wants to say. Yeah. No, this, she has other things. Okay. Those, yeah, those are, they're about that scene. Oh, okay. What, what I would well, say is that today's scene or tomorrow's? Um, today's. It's today's. Today's. You want to call her and see if she wants to to talk about it? <laughs> Put her on the spot. Tell her. Tell her. Don't tell her she's on. You know, she's on Skype. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know how that would go over. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't want you to get in trouble right before the holidays. You know? That's a good point, Jeanette. Yeah, no. Well, actually, you're going. You're going away to the Caribbean, so you know. I don't think you're right. going to worry about not being invited over to your parents' house. You know. Hilarious. <laughs> and uh, you know, not not Huey Lewis won't be there, so you're good with that too. Right? He's already. That's it. No more Huey Lewis. Well, no, no. We get we get to see him. We get to see him for 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 a fraction of a second here today. You know, so the minute 123 begins with Eddie, a.k.a. non-Huey Lewis, flying backwards through the air. You know, so he does a reverse Superman and ends with Holly hugging John very tightly. Mm -hmm. So yesterday we ended things with uh, John, you know, uh, taking matters in the OK Corral all by himself and, you know, shooting Hans in the chest and uh, turning non-Huey Lewis into a Triclops. I just love saying that. It's just fun, you know. Opening his third eye to the possibilities of the world. There you go. Hey, that's great. I like that. I like that. That's good. And <laughs> so the minute begins with with basically, you know, non-Huey Lewis probably having, you know, some sort of uh, wire attached to a vest on him or whatever that jerks him back backwards because he really goes flying right at the beginning there. It's an aggressive fall. Yes. Well, I, yeah. He like falls back. Well, he's also closer to John, so that, I guess that sort of makes sense also. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and, and then the force of the impact. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. And then uh, first of all, I love that you can see the tape is still on the gun itself. You yeah. know. And then John Nothing lifts up the gun. Dude. That's Nothing right. Lift. That's right. Lifts up the gun to his lips and blows smoke. And then turns towards where Hans was and says, happy trails, Hans. Because he cannot resist the opportunity to quip. He takes just a moment to be proud of himself and go ahead and throw in a quip. And it's great. Happy trails, Hans. (laughs) (laughs) You You think that's in the script? Is it? I'm asking you. We're, we'll find out at the end of the, we'll find out at the end of today's minute. I'd but. be perfectly happy if it wasn't, but also, 
I'm perfectly happy if it was. It is it is the perfect quip at this moment. Not too much, not too little, totally in line with the character, appropriate, not cringy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. There's no there's definitely. And you know, we then we get a shot of Hans who starts staggering backwards. You know, still holding on to Holly. Yes, uh, that's a wrist, You know, and we get to see, you know, the 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 blood on the the on on the the wind window behind him, along with the uh, you know a a hole, you know, which I, I I didn't check it, but I I hope that they got the triangulation properly, you know, the the geometry right of you know where the bullet would have gone through him if John shot, and then you know where it would have exited, and then. You know, we we need we need uh, you know Kevin Costner from Jeff Gator come in. To the left. Where's Where's Jim Garrison? There you go. Back, Back into the left. Into the <laughs> left. <laughs> I, honestly, everything else has done so well in this movie. I'm gonna assume that they did that properly as too. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you never know. And, and there's no magic bullet here because there's only two bullets. No, exactly. <laughs> That's right. We know exactly where both of them went. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, and and then uh, you know we we, I, we we see Hans continuing to 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 stagger backwards and crashes. I like that Hans is so surprised at what has happened that he is just he's he's trying to register like how he's flabbergasted. All, how dare you? How dare you shoot me? Secondly, oh, and it's not just and it's again calling back to like Alan Rickman. Does anyone die better than Alan Rickman? No, no. The stumbling, the flailing. Well, this is the first time that anyone got to see him die on screen. This is because... the first time you see it, but then from this point forward, he simply elevates from here. Yes. <laughs> so, spectacular. Yeah, for sure. And we see him stagger backwards and crashes through the, the window that was slightly shattered. Uh, I think far too simply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then it he... Does... Well, we have to assume that that bullet really, and and this is a building that is suffering a, a, a huge explosion, uh, fire at the top, explosion at the top, explosion at the bottom. So the glass is already under a, quite a bit of duress, and then he gets a bullet through it. So even if Hans just gets a little bit close and yells at the window, it's going to shatter. So, yeah, probably. Know. That's true. <laughs> and and then he he falls out of the window, still holding on to Holly. And, and then, in the most perfect example of this, this movie not wasting anything. That the scene at the beginning of the movie about the watch, which first of all can be taken as character development for Ellis, but secondly pays off here in the most perfect way anything has ever paid off, ever. Yeah, it it's just great. You know, Chekhov's watch. <laughs> <laughs> Or Mrs. Mrs. Chekhov's watch, or Ms. Chekhov's watch, because she's uh, it's a yeah. Rolex. <laughs> exactly. What do you mean? It's a Rolex, is it? <laughs> Shut up, guy. <laughs> that dude is the worst. Yeah, and then and then we get an an exterior shot of someone hanging out of the building. You know, oh, just spectacular. Stuff and and this. then they they we see John trying to to hold him. You know, trying to to hold Holly from falling, and he's he's first playing with the watch. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's not really sure about it. But b- beforehand, we we get a a 
like a, for I think it's just like a second or two, we see uh, Powell and Robinson looking up and and actually seeing, you know, the you know, Hans and Holly hanging there. Now, I don't know if you've ever been near skyscrapers or anything like that, but do you really think that they can see up thirty floors? I've been at this building. I've stood in the courtyard of this building and looked up, and um, yeah, and, you can see and, up. No, if but, someone was hanging out the end of it, yeah, you would see someone hanging out the end of it, thirty floors up. I don't know about that. I, think I don't you know. would, uh, especially the way this. And again, this with the amount of noise that's going on around here, I don't know. <laughs> speaking exclusively, like just well, okay, in the setup of this movie, you've got a bunch of people. They know something is still happening on the inside, so they are trained to. They are trained on the building, and they're looking for something. So yes, absolutely, they would see it. Ah, I think okay. even in a standard situation, you would because it, this building, the way it's set up now, it has other buildings around it. But at the time, there was no other buildings around it. It's the only building there. And well, because they were only middle of construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think for sure you would. But again, just the craftsmanship of this movie, the fact that that having that happen up top and having what's happening in the courtyard and the plaza below, it just to reiterate the the spatial awareness, the audience's yeah. spatial awareness of the story of this movie, I, I think is wonderful. It right. really pays off. For sure. And we, we see John continue to fidget with, with, uh, with Holly's watch in order to uh-huh. try and free her from Hans. Uh, the, the, music, <laughs> the music gets really, really tense. The score of this movie. You know, now what what I find really funny is John is trying to to get the watch off. It's like, you know, it's it's just really funny the way that he's he's just fidgeting with it and stuff like that. It makes you, with it. Yeah. you know, um, that and is one of the things that my mother texted me. <laughs> that what? The the watch. Uh, she her favorite things about this. I and we haven't because I feel like there's so much to say about Rickman's performance in this crashing through the window, falling, and hanging onto the watch. His face and expression as he is trying to hold onto the watch and watching Bruce attempt to futz with it. So he, Hans's realization, like, this watch, if this watch lets go, I'm in trouble. And that selling of that moment and the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a Rolex. And so struggling with the release, what a testament to the quality of a Rolex watch that it is difficult to get it undone. Like... <laughs> It makes it makes you feel like you know, like he's trying to get a bra open or something like that. You know, there's the trying to get a snap. <laughs> it is not <laughs> it is a hope. complicated process. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> and For then sure. Hans looks up at, at John and starts to raise the gun towards him, mm-hmm. right? And then we hear a scream from Holly. She's still screaming, screaming her head off. She's screaming. It's, it's some high quality Kate Capshaw, Kate Capshaw esque. Uh, screaming, which is really well done. Wait, from Space Camp? Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Ironically, really, the only time she's screamy is um, Temple of Doom. I don't know that she's that screamy anywhere else. Thank God, because that was excessive. Yeah, Spielberg doesn't let her scream. To talk about the um, slow-mo, the use of slow-mo, there's a lot of times that slow motion can be overused in movies, especially action movies. This is a justified use of it. It makes sense, and it's not overdone, and it really enhances the tension of the scene. Yeah, for sure. The, the pacing of Hans bringing that gun up, where he realizes, oh, God, if that watch lets go, I'm out of here. I'll just bring this gun up. 
and shoot him, and therefore I'm gonna then I will fall, fall for sure. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> bringing the gun up isn't gonna help you. Well, it's just I, gonna take him with you. Well, it would stop him from fucking with the watch, so maybe he could recover and climb up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, I'm not sure what his thought process is on bringing the gun up, but it's the dramatic tension of, boy, you better get that watch undone before he gets that gun up. That's right. And then John ends up opening the clasp on the watch, and Hans basically just lets gravity take over. And we see the look on his face as he starts falling and down. Then, and my mother's other note, the look on his face as the fall and i'm sure that you know and <laughs> watching the behind the scenes on this the fact that they told wait Ryan wait 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 i'll read i'll read the imdb trivia on this one okay so well then the other thing i want to say before we get there is the well that'll be after all right go ahead for the shot where hans gruber falls from the top of the building rickman was was really dropped 40 feet onto an airbag with a blue screen the background was later edited in a stuntman held rickman up with a rope Mirroring Riffman's line repeated twice in the movie, the stunt crew was to count to three before releasing. But to get a genuine reaction from Rickman, the stuntman released the rope on the count of two, not three. Rickman later said during a QA that the stunt was purposely done on his last day on set. So <laughs> he wasn't. He does have a real look of of fear on his face. That look on his face is genuine, and it is the moment of this movie and I don't think you could have gotten it any other way. He's a great actor, but I don't think you could have gotten it any other way. That's I right. love that they surprised him by letting him go early because that moment is iconic and, and the word iconic gets overused in describing movies and I know that, but I think that it fits here more than it fits anywhere else. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you on that one. Now, one of the things that I always love about watching this scene of Hans falling is that on the Oscar telecast that year, this was the shot they used for the visual effects. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I, I mean, I mentioned earlier this week that, that this movie was nominated for four Oscars and it lost all four of them. Okay. But, but three of them, it lost to the same movie. And what was that movie? That movie was who framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, well, all right. Who Framed Roger Rabbit won Best Film Editing, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Visual Effects. Okay, oh, but yeah. the visual yes. effect that they showed here was uh, Hans Gruber falling because this was one of the, the earliest uses of a green screen. You know, where... And it holds up. Yeah. It holds up. It still looks great. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great because they have, you know, all the papers flying underneath him and stuff like that. They, they, they did that really well. Um, but obviously Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, the interactions between, uh, you know, animation and humans. It, it's tough to argue with that. Little, it uh, is, yeah. it's tough to argue with that. And I, and I hear them. Um, yeah. but it's, it's sometimes you're like, but come on, man. It's that I still have a sore spot for the fact that Titanic beat out Starship Troopers for visual effects Oscar. You, you sunk a boat. A boat that sunk in real life. <laughs> Whereas in Starship Troopers, they're fighting actual bugs. Like, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. That's kind of how I feel about this one. But it, it's it's legitimate. This you're never going to take away from how good that fall looks. And and yeah. also watching the if you if you have the DVD box set, and by box set I mean Die Hard one, two, and three, the only real Die Hard movies. All right. The trilogy. Um, it's a trilogy the, with the trilogy. trilogy with with another movie, and then uh, you know. Some some little uh, then, then this other crap that goes on. 
which yeah. um, which I'm gonna have a lot of fun when I when I eventually get to number five and decide what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but talking because I really can't see myself it, doing that minute by minute. <laughs> no. Um, they tried it with a dummy where you throw the dummy out the building and watch the dummy fall, and it just didn't work. It didn't work, and so they finally end up using a, a stuntman on a rig, and it it sells that fall so much more because of the flailing, the actual flailing done during the fall. And then, of course, with the line, oh boy, hope that's not a hostage. Yeah. Like the perfect line <laughs> from an absolute dick of a character who has not wavered throughout the movie. Just the perfect way to... Because the audience, while you're watching this, Hans Gruber has this way of, like, throughout the course of the movie, at no point... At no point are you on his side, but you are delighted by him because the performance is so good. This is a character who the best villains are ones who you, even if you don't empathize with, you you are drawn in by. And Hans Gruber is the pinnacle of movie villainy because it's performed so perfectly. Where you at no point do you doubt this character. You understand his convictions. You believe in his skill set. You know his strength. When he finally meets his end, he has been so villainous up to this point that the end feels justified. And as an audience member, you are looking forward to it. You can't believe it. He's finally getting it. And they build up the score, the performance, the perfect amount of slow motion, the perfect amount of stunt work, the set, everything combined to the point where the the dramatic tension, like your whole heart, and then the look on his face the genuine surprises is being dropped as an audience member. You are a hundred percent invested in this moment. Yes. And when he begins to fall to have that broken up by the absolute sublime performance of, Ooh, I hope that's not a hostage. <laughs> it is the perfect offset to that moment. And it provides like, you don't realize how much on the edge of your seat you are. Especially moment, after what, what, what we hear seconds after he makes the comment, I hope that's not a hostage, we actually hear the thump of the thud of the body. (laughs) It's just, again, the craftsmanship. I can't talk about it enough. It's just so well done. Yeah. There's no question about that. And basically, you know, we hear the thud of, of the body landing on the ground. And then we see Al and Robinson both actually looking away you know, somewhat in disgust from the fact that, yeah. that this body has uh, thudded. Yeah, this body has thudded. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the shot goes back and we, we see Holly, you know, she's already been pulled up by John and the two of them uh, begin to hug tightly, you know, uh, having, having this nice reunion. Okay, but she's married to him. So she's, uh, you know. She she was disgusted with him over the last six months, but uh, something has changed that. I, I couldn't tell you what, but something has changed her mind. Yeah. You know, but okay. So you you mentioned to me, I don't remember if you mentioned it on 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 air or beforehand that you had read the book at some point. You know, of yeah, this movie. I, Do you remember what happens in the end of the, of the book or not? I don't. It's been so okay. long. So in whereas in, this. This Die Hard I watch at least once a year, if not more. I read that book one time years ago, so I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so the, so in the book there is no Holly. the The character is actually visiting yeah. his daughter Steffi mm-hmm. Gennaro. Okay, and she is actually pulled out of the window by the bad guy at the end. That's right. Okay, the bad guy's name is is Little Tony Gruber. Okay, mm-hmm. and he pulls her out of the window. 
by her watch, and they're, they're hanging by her. They're, they're hanging by her watch, you know the way they do. They are in the movie also, and the the main character Joe Leland tries to save them, and she actually falls out the window with with Gruber. Okay, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, in the in the book, he wasn't able. It, the book is much more tragic than than the movie itself. You know, because well, if I remember, his daughter dies also. More because it was the second book in the series, and that there aren't there more in which he then gets to carry that trauma through the rest of the story. I believe. I, well, apparently he's like I... crippled after this mo- after this book, after the story. Yep. So I don't I don't Very... know if they made any more. There was an original one called The Detective, which was made into a movie with Frank Sinatra yeah, Frank back Sinatra, in '68, which is why Sinatra had the first pick on on That's Die right. Hard, deciding if he wanted to do it or not. That's Thank right. God he did. Whether you wanted seventy something year old uh, Sinatra. Uh, playing uh, John McQueen. Yeah, I can just imagine, you know, uh, Sinatra walking around going, yippee motherfucker. <laughs> I, I don't know if that really would have worked. No, no, I, no, I cannot imagine I'm, that. I, it would, it <laughs> would be God funny, you. you know, having to imagine that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, apparently, the, this <laughs> shot of John and, and Holly embracing needed to be shot numerous times um, because Bruce Willis <laughs> kept making Bonnie Bedelia laugh. Whenever they were doing. <laughs> that does yeah. not surprise me. So you have anything else you want to say about this movie before we get into the script? Um, coming back to watch. It's the best fall of any fall in movie history. I think it's really the best. Again, credit to that stunt guy. Um, the payoff. The payoff of... A villain has to be good enough that you're engaged with it the whole story, and then the elimination of that villain has to match the build of the character throughout the movie. And I, I, I that this is the highest example. Uh, of Thirty-four, it, so. thirty stories high. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right. Okay. Yeah, so the script, it. the script thing in this minute is very descriptive, but there is more dialogue, or there's there's dialogue that's not mm-hmm. in the movie. So basically. It says, Hans drops his weapon, staggers backwards, looks down at his own blood and shock. McLean says, you're right about us Americans. He blows smoke from his pistol barrel. We are cowboys. So I, I think Happy Charles works much better. No. Not necessary. Incredibly, Hans yeah, still necessary. stands, eyes filled with shock and disbelief. He reels, falls against the windowsill, starts to topple, and then he grits his teeth and from some inward place finds a last reserve of strength. And he grabs Holly's wrist and she is yanked off her feet. Hans goes out the window, pulling Holly with him. McLean leaps forward, catches her in, inside arm near the elbow at the last minute. Mm-hmm. The roof still in flames. McLean hangs halfway out of the window, jagged glass raking his face, strained to hold onto Holly as, Han, as Hans drags her out. McLean braces himself against the window frame and strains to pull Holly closer. With a moan, she catches the win- windowsill with her inside hand. McLean stretches with his other hand, begins to inch towards Holly's wristband. A death grip on the watch band. The shot widens. Sees that blood-flecked teeth grinning from Hans's mouth. He is straining with his other hand to bring up the gun. He is still holding. Holly screams to alert John. Hans locks eyes with McLean one last time. Starts to pull the trigger as McLean releases the latch on the watch band. The overtaxed metal snaps. Links. Flying. Hans's face registers his horror as he and most of the watch suddenly drop. We listen to the scream all the way down, finally hear him hit. McLean pulls Holly back into the room and holds her. It's okay, babe. It's okay. 
He looks down at Hans's body, then back at the scrap of wristband he's still holding. You got a warranty on this? She laughs through her tears, holding on to him. So it's very descriptive. I I love the way. Wouldn't have surprised me, yeah, if they had done a little bit something else about the watch. I don't mind that they didn't. I'm glad they didn't, but it also it would have felt appropriate had they yeah. said something else about it. So I don't mind that they didn't. I don't think it would have hurt it if they did. I'm right. glad but both there. the Happy Trails and I hope that's not a hostage are not in the script. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So every Wednesday we have a segment called Hans Hump Day, where my guests will give their top five Alan Rickman performances. So, Jeanette, what have you got for us? We have reverse order, yep. five to one. Here you go. I'm going to start on the bottom, number five, all the Harry Potter movies. you got to choose uh, which. you got to choose one. Snape. But it's I his know, but, it's the best but you know, if we're going to rank the, the movies. Uh, then the, the final one, whichever one in which is the end okay. of Severus Snape, because you realize Definitely that his. Two. And again, it's the yeah, that he gives, and honestly, probably the third one is my favorite. So, Prisoner of Azkaban. Well, which one favorite. you want? But you gotta choose one. That, okay, Gee. Prisoner okay. of Azkaban. He's good in that role. I that's understand. No, he's say. he's great in in the role <laughs> of all of them. You know that that's that's not the point. But but Let's if we're gonna tally them up, you know, I need to have. Uh... It presents as a villain and then ends up being an ally, and it really. That role takes such a layered performance that has to develop over six movies that, again, no one – maybe seven movies. No Eight, one else could do it. Yeah. So. Ugh, seven So books. many. <laughs> yeah. um, number four is Dogma from 1999. Honestly, these go reverse chronologically. Oh, okay. If that works. Yeah, Dogma from 1999, the Kevin Smith movie. Because, um, again, Brickman adds levity and exposition. Mm-hmm. In, in a really okay. wonderful way. Um, number three, Galaxy Quest. Awesome. I don't awesome even need to say anything more <laughs> about that. I feel like everybody has probably had that on their list. Um, just about. There, there are a few people that didn't, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be very high on on the ranking. He, he's the heart and soul yeah. of that movie. Um, number two, and honestly, could this flip with number one? No. Uh, number two is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. Uh, and again, when you're lead, it tends to be a little smaller. As the villain, you can go bigger, but my God, he, he's so good in that movie, he makes you almost forget everyone else who is in it, with the exception of Michael Wincott, who has to do a lot of standing around being like, can you guys believe Alan Rickman right now? <laughs> um, he's just so good in that I, it's worth going back and watching it again just to watch the whole it, I'll cut your heart out with a spoon bit is so good <laughs> the whole final sequence and again you want to talk about a death scene that should be like uh, stabbed over he draws out that death scene he stumbles around the room flails pulls out the knife looks at the knife more flailing more stumbling shocked disappointed falls over crawls and then dies my yeah. goodness it's a whole lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and then number one is uh, Die Hard, and I think that speaks for itself. Yes, so it definitely go. does. All right, great. So you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with Jeanette Ward? 
Yeah, you can uh, find me on my movie review website, the jwardadventures.blogspot.com. Be sure to check out my dance troupe at tamarindbellydance.com. You can also find us on YouTube if you want to see some videos of our performances. And if you're interested in taking some online classes, you can find that information on our website as well. Um, and then you can find me on all the social medias, um, Instagram at j.y.org. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be listening to this show on. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. And you can find me on my website, movearoundminutes.com. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yippee ki yeah.